Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Roped In. I'm your host, John Roper. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about some of the craziest contracts in sports because some of you that might not know, Shohei Otani just signed to the LA Dodgers, so he signed his contract. It was pretty large, so I'm going to be getting into that one. And then again, some of the ones that are the largest ones now and some of the ones that are large and haven't really panned out in the past. Then I'm also going to be talking about a bit of a wrap-up on NBA's in-season tournament. It just finished last night. Congratulations to the Lakers for winning the first one. So I'm going to be giving a bit of a recap on on my thoughts uh, on how it went, on whether I thought it was successful and if I wanted to stick around. And finally, I'm going to be talking about my top 10 sporting venues, uh, sporting arenas, um, sporting locations that I want to go Uh Yep, that's about it. I don't have a crazy intro that I want to get into. It's an exciting 15 days before Christmas, and I'm, as always, behind on my Christmas shopping and my Christmas wrapping. Um, But here I am, making an episode for you guys. So without further ado, here we go. So as I just mentioned, Shohei Otani has finally signed his contract. If you don't know the name Shohei Otani, you should get to know it. I mean, I shouldn't say you should get to know it. But he is, in my eyes, the greatest baseball player of all time. Uh, either way, he signed his his contract this, this, this offseason, signed it yesterday. He's staying in LA, but he's switching teams. He's going to the Dodgers. He signed a, and bear with me people, 10-year, $700 million contract. Ridiculous. So, yes, on average, he's getting paid $70 million. I believe he's actually like 29 years old already this year. Granted, I'm going to quickly say it's baseball. Baseball has stupid crazy money. Now, this is stupid crazy in terms of stupid crazy money. But baseball has that stupid money, so this isn't as egregious as you might think it is. Um, the next richest one, granted, yes, the next richest one is Mike Trout at 492. So this is $200 million more. Um, but it's it's the way that sports salaries have gone. You know, as the TV contracts get there, different things affect it. The, the, the popularity of the sport, all these things allow the teams to throw more money into the sport. And you also have to think of the return of investment, the jerseys he's going to sell, the marketing he's going to bring. The Dodgers are now definitely in contention for the next seven years. Yep, he's not going to pitch next year. I, I mean, I think it's a lot of money. But if you have the money to spend, again, as I said, I think he's the greatest baseball player of all time. He's at least the greatest baseball player I've seen. Uh, not that I have a trained eye, but he's the greatest baseball player I've seen. So him getting that contract is absolutely ridiculous. Putting it kind of into perspective, some of the other big contracts. So again, he's getting $70 million a year to play baseball. In football, the richest one right now, I think, is actually Lamar Jackson. There was a big battle this offseason. Jalen Hurt signed a big one, and Lamar Jackson came in. That was his big kind of holdout with the Ravens this offseason. So he's making $52 million a year with his contract. Flipping it over to basketball. Nikola Jokic is the highest paid. He's getting $54 million a year. Um, 
prior to Shohei, it was Max Serger. So Max Scherzer is getting 43 mil. Him and Justin Verlander were tied with Aaron Judge right behind. Um, again, I know I said Mike Trout has the richest, but his was stretched over time. So per year it wasn't. But per year, Shohei Otani, 70 mil is the biggest in the North American sports. Uh, doing my research, hockey just does not have the marketing and the money yet. Their highest is 12.6. So Shohei Otani is making... What is that? Five to six times the salary Nathan McKinnon is. And in my eyes, Nathan McKinnon is doing a lot more physically demanding, challenging sport. But that's me sitting on my couch. I don't want to take anything away from Shohei Otani. I'm sure he's busting his butt just as much as Nathan McKinnon. So who am I to say? Some other sports. I mean, you've got Max Verstappen. He makes 51 million euros. Uh, He was the highest for Formula One. Uh... There's another one. Uh, football, soccer, football. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo right now, he is the highest paid. Granted, the uh, the oil money over in Saudi Arabia is making some crazy things. But yeah, it's Cristiano Ronaldo with 200 million euros. Uh, actually, you know what? That might even be topped. Um, but yes, 200 million euros. So there are sports out there that are getting paid a lot more. Um, Saudi Arabia is making it look very silly. I didn't even look into golf, but golf, uh, I know John Ram, he just signed a ridiculous contract over there in the Live Golf Tour. So again, those are some of the the major sports contracts out there right now. Congrats to all of the people that have got it. One of the things that I always think though, 10 years and contracts don't really pan out. So I'm going to explain some contracts that, that have been dished out that we're in similar positions. I shouldn't say similar. Shohei Otani, again, as I said, I think is the greatest of all time. I don't think there's ever been a contract situation like this. Uh, other than, obviously, the, the Michael Jordan, you could argue the LeBron, but that's a different segment for a different day. Um, but the, the GOAT contracts make sense. But some of these contracts that I'm going to be talking about are just people that got signed because they thought the, the world thought they were going to be it, or at least the GM thought they were going to be good, and it just it didn't work out. First one I'm going to start off with, I believe I've mentioned him in a podcast already for Biggest Busts. It's Jamarcus Russell. So Jamarcus Russell, again, he was the number one pick out of LSU to go to the Oakland Raiders. Now, he also did a bit of a holdout in his rookie year um, and then signed one of the most ridiculous contracts in NFL history. Without even signing a single day of training camp, he inked a six-year, $68 million deal. Now, if I'm correct, he coming off a Heisman year, so he was the best player in college football. People thought he was going to be good, but six years, $68 million is ridiculous for a guy who hasn't even touched foot on your practice ground. Now, the coach at the time was Lane Kiffin, and if I remember, he was against the whole thing, but the owner, Al Davis, put his signature on that piece of paper and pushed it through. Jamarcus Russell, again, as I've mentioned, is one of the biggest busts in football. He he got up to a, near 300 pounds, um, got arrested. He, he didn't really play, um, but doing some research, breaking it down. So overall, he didn't get all his money, but overall, Russell was paid $39 million by the Raiders over the three seasons. If I break it down, he was given $5 million a win and $2 million per touchdown. Now, congrats Jamarcus Russell for fleecing the Raiders like that because $2 million per touchdown, $5 million per win. 
That's uh, those are some expensive wins there, Oakland and uh, Jamarcus Russell really <laughs> didn't make it worth it to put it easily. Um, another one that I'm gonna revert back to the sport, and it's probably where I should have started, but it's gonna be Bobby Benilla. So those people that are sports fans, they laugh every year when it hits on uh, July. Is it July 4th? No, it's not July 4th. Maybe it's July 1st. Either way, it's Bobby Benilla Day. So Bobby Benilla signed a contract with the Mets. And, and this is where I think baseball does some of the stupid things and they sign some stupid long contracts. But either way, Bobby Benilla signed a contract with the Mets. Didn't really pan out. Um, you know, it, it wasn't that good. And, and he started to get payout for his contract. So... People that don't know, when you get paid out, the team no longer wants you and they're going to work on some kind of a paying system where, yep, I'm supposed to pay you $10 million this year, but I don't really want you on this team anymore. So how about for the next 10 years, I pay you $800,000. My math is going to be wrong on this one. Either way, I pay you X amount of money over the next 10 years to save money now, but just get you off the books. You're, you're no longer going to play for this team. And we're either going to give you a lump sum of money now to not have to deal with it for the next 10 years or do what the Mets did. And what was it from the 2000 was it 2000 or 1999 to 2000. I don't know when this started, but I know it goes all the way up until 2035 and he hasn't played for the Mets since 1999. So 36 years, they're going to pay this man 1.2 1.2 million dollars or maybe it's 1.1 1. 1, no it's 1.2 million dollars um so again every year up until 2035 bobby Benilla gets a check for 1.2 million dollars to not play for the mets to just do nothing one of the worst contracts in history and again people that know it know it's the bobby Benilla day it's absolutely ridiculous Another sport that has a, a, a crazy one, uh, Jay Cutler. So, Jay Cutler, I don't have many nice things to say. I never liked Jay Cutler. He was a Chicago Bears quarterback. He also played a bit for the Dolphins, but he, he was mainly known for being a quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Don't get me wrong, had a highlight here and there and, and didn't do terrible in certain situations, but he, he never deserved his contract, but... There was a one point where the Chicago Bears offered him an extension for $126 million over seven years. Now, I know some of the things that I've said already have been like nowhere near what I've talked about now for this contract. But at the time, in 2014, $126 million over seven years was a lot of money. But Jay Cutler absolutely sucked at football, ended up retiring from football in 2016. Again, he came back in, I think, like 2017 with the Dolphins for a year or two. Just... Didn't really do anything, but the Bears wasted a lot of money on Jay Cutler, considering they gave him $126 million for seven years, and two years later, he wasn't even in the league anymore. D'Angelo Hall was another one where the Oakland Raiders gave him a lot of money, and he just never really panned out. In basketball, one of the ones that I remember, and I think he's even admitted that it was pretty bad, was Gilbert Arenas. So, Gilbert Arenas... Uh, signed over a hundred million dollars for it was more than five years. I think it might have been seven years. Um, but yeah, he signed a super large contract, and then he just 
He didn't really pound. I think the, the money got to his head. I wouldn't say the fame got to his head. He was an all-star before there. And his skill was always there, but he got injured. And then he brought the gun into the locker room. And just certain things didn't really happen. So he signed that big contract in 2008. And he, two years later, he wasn't even on the team. So those kind of things, are, I think, are always ridiculous. Um, I think a funny one that I remember reading. I shouldn't say funny because, I mean, it's funny because it's not my money. But one of the funny ones that I remember reading was Albert Hainsworth um, with the Washington, formerly Washington Redskins, was the Washington Commanders. Um, he signed a stupid contract where I know he scored. He, he, he definitely made over $100 million. Um, but he only played in like 25 games for the team. Um, so, so that one was, was pretty funny to see why I laughed at that one is they are in, um, the Eagles division and you guys all know I'm Eagles fans. The reason I'm paying attention right now is because the Eagles aren't actually playing. So that was funny to see them give all that money away to a guy to just play 20 games on the team. And I think the final one, I shouldn't say the final one where I'm going to round it off, but Two more. I'm going to leave it with two more, and they're both in baseball. Dang it, I might even say three because there's three names that I know. But why I think baseball is crazy in long-term contracts. So I'm going to give two long-term contracts that at the time, yes, they might have worked out, but is why I think 10-year contracts do not make sense. But number one, Miguel Cabrera signed an eight-year contract. Now his contract runs up, I think it's this year or was it last year? It ran up recently, but... He got a lot of money to just basically not do anything for the team after a certain point. Same with Albert Pujols. He was given 10 years, $240 million after being an absolute Hall of Famer on the Cardinals. Went on to the Angels, and I think for the first season or two, he actually performed pretty well. But when you're given a 10-year contract to a guy who's already 30 years old, that's just completely insane and ridiculous, and they did it. And now Albert Pujols is getting stupid money, or was getting stupid money, um, and then the final one, where I think it was just an overreaction to where it does, was Chris Davis. Uh, but I remember Chris Davis, don't get me wrong, at the time, worked out. He had 159 home runs through like three seasons. He was tearing it up with the bat. But they gave him money to a guy that really only hits home runs and strikes out a lot. And I remember he actually went for like 0-50 stretch a couple of years later. And uh, yeah, his seven-year, $161 million contract didn't pan out because his bat stopped batting and he just kept missing. So, you know, there you have it. Those are some of the kind of terrible contracts in sports. I know there are a lot more out there. Please put in the comment section on the Instagram page at Roped in the Podcast. Give it a follow. Give it a like. Put your comment on some of the podcast. I mean, some of the contracts that maybe your team gave out that you just thought man, this sucked. This tied us up for a very long time and it shouldn't have and I wish it didn't. Stupid contracts. But at least it's not my money. So again, congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers for winning the inaugural NBA in-season tournament and the MVP LeBron James. Hate him. Or like him, he's the MVP, it is what it is. Whether you want to say it's rigged, whether you want to say it's not, it is what it is. The Lakers won, it happened, get over it. 
Um, I'm supportive enough of the Lakers and LeBron that I'm going to say congratulations to them. So, again, for those that don't know, the NBA in-season tournament is new this year. It is Adam Silver's take on what I think the European soccer leagues do. And my big example, because I follow it, is the English league. So it's it's kind of combatant, or I shouldn't say combatant because they're not competing against each other, but it's its sister to the FA Cup. You know, it's a, a tournament within the season where, I mean, it, it's a little bit different. The games don't necessarily mean the same in terms of standing as they do in the FA Cup. But it was a in-season tournament that was, that was something different. Um, at first, when I read it, I was like, oh, this is just money hungry. It's not going to work. I don't, I don't get this. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm not going to fully explain how it goes, but for those that don't know, um, it's similar to those European leagues where there's group play. So the league was divided into different groups and from there moved on to a knockout stage and then kind of became single elimination playoff for four teams and the winner won a grand prize of $500,000. So so in the knockouts, uh, you know, let, let me just kind of explain. So I'm not going to get into all the different groups and everything, but the winners of the groups were, as I've already previously mentioned, the Lakers, Kings, and Pelicans out in the West, and the Bucks, Pacers, and Celtics out in the East. Now, in this, there's only one wild card, and it's the best seed of the teams that didn't win their division, so the Suns got in for the fourth seed in the West, and the Knicks got in as the fourth seed in the East. Now, repeat listeners are going to know my predictions absolutely suck, and I didn't get really many things right so I thought that the Lakers I mean the Suns were going to what did I say on this one I think I said Suns over Lakers then I said no Lakers over Suns actually I think I predicted this one so Lakers I think I did go back and listen but they beat the Suns so they were the first seed and they beat the Suns as the fourth seed by three points now this is where the controversy so another thing to kind of rewind is this NBA in-season tournament one thing that I don't like was the courts I don't mind changing the court design, but the court design they picked was just god-awful. It was just a smack-dab color with a different color stripe going down the middle. Um, maybe call me a purist for a basketball fan, but I don't think many people liked it. It just it didn't look good on the basketball court. But either way, what I'm getting to is the NBA approved it. And the NBA also approved different jerseys to be worn on these games. So... To kind of rewind, it's how I'm going all over, but I have explained this if you're a repeat listener. So if you haven't, go back and listen to the episodes, please. <laughs> um, but it is games on Tuesdays and Friday nights in November were the group stage games. So again, you had these special courts to show that it was the in-season tournament and special jerseys for the home teams. Now, the Lakers jerseys just happen to be very similar colors to their courts. But the NBA approved, if not designed, both of them. Now, when the Suns lost to the Lakers, it was very close. There were a couple of missed calls here and there, but there were complaints about it. And then the Lakers were told, you can't wear the jerseys that we approved to be worn on the courts that we approved it to be worn on. No, you can't do that anymore. It's unfair. But either way, all that to say, the Lakers beat the Suns. Uh, then it was the Kings and the Pelicans, and the Pelicans actually beat the Kings. That one I predicted. So it was Lakers and Pelicans like I predicted. Then out east, it was the Bucks and the Knicks, where the Bucks beat the Knicks, like I thought. And then the Pacers and the Celtics, where the Pacers won, unlike I thought. And the Pacers are really starting to show me that they're a team that's up and coming. But maybe that's a future segment for a future day. So then we're moving on to the semifinals, where you've got the Lakers and Pelicans and the Bucks and the Pacers. 
then the Lakers blow out the Pelicans and move on to the championship. And that's where a lot of people are like, oh, it's rigged. Of course, the, champ, the golden boy of the, of the league, LeBron James, is going to make it into the championship. You know, I think the Lakers are a good team. I'm not going to ever say anything's rigged because I'm a purist of the, of the game. I, I, I love to watch it. Then out east, the, the Pacers beat the Bucks. This one was one that I was surprised, and Tyrese Halliburton came out. Um, he is one that that maybe he he um, I'm struggling where I'm going to say this one, so I, I I'm not going to say the wrong thing, but he's turning into a superstar player. Um, and he came out, hit some big shots. He, I shouldn't say he mocked Damian Lillard, but he did the Dame time uh, celebration. And even Damian Lillard came out and said he respected it if you can kind of pull those kind of things off, but don't do it too much. Either way, Pacers beat the Bucks, Lakers beat the Pel- Pelicans. That's the championship. Lakers win last night. It was close to certain points, and then the Lakers just blew it out. They won 123 to 109, and LeBron James was your MVP. So... I'm not going to get into the whole whether I think it's rigged, all these different kind of things. Um, I absolutely loved the NBA in-season tournament, and that's the thing that I'm going to be mentioning. So where I really liked it is in the the competition of, pay, of, of it. So people like LeBron James, the, the, the winning didn't really mean a whole load. So I'm, I'm going to try and, and see if I can explain... Who, who gets what? Uh, where is it? So, if you win, you get 500k per player on that team. Uh, if you come second, it's 200k. That's 100k for each person in the semifinals and 50k for the quarterfinals. So, in the group stages, it meant a lot. Now, to people like LeBron James, 50 to 500k is absolutely nothing. But where it comes around, and Damian Lillard had a quote that said it, is it's the people like the two-way players or the people that barely fought to get on the team that are only making the 700K. Now, yes, to you and I, the average folk, um, 700K is, is a stupid amount of money that's still a lot. But when you talk about doubling your salary, so some two-way players are making just over 500K. Two-way players also get it. So three two-way players on the Lakers doubled their salary with this in-season tournament win. And because you have nice people on teams that care for their teammates, that's where you have the people like the LeBron Jameses, the Giannis Antetokounmpo's, the Damian Lillard's, the Anthony Davis that are competing because they want the, the, the role players that might not get a lot of time. So yes, you might say they might not earn it, but I think they're in the practice. They're just helping, helping the team be just as good. So they're doubling their salary. They're getting 500K, and it's 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 really amazing to watch. And and I'm going to say that the season was more competitive at this point than it had been because of it. At first, I also thought it was crazy. Why are you putting it this early? But now I'm realizing it's smart. Put it this early because usually in an 82-game season, games this early don't matter that much. So when you throw this in-season tournament into it, it's going to make the games actually matter, and it's going to make it... Something that the players want to compete for. I certainly tuned in. It was competitive matches. I know the very first night of it. Uh, I believe I talked about it on one of my episodes. But no match was won by more than 10 points. There was all single digit matches. And it was just competitive basketball. Exciting to watch. The viewer numbers went up. 
overall, I'm going to say a massive, massive success. Um, I think the people that are going to say it's not a success or people that hate on it might just not be the LeBron or the Laker fans. Say what you will. You have to admit it was a success. It led to more excitement. I understand the money that's involved in it. And yes, the rich are going to get richer, but they're also producing a better performance. So I'm not going to bash on it and just say, oh, they're just doing this for money when I'm also getting a better product at the end of the day. Um, so there you have it. That's the NBA in-season tournament. I'm excited to see next year. I hope they change the courts. I like the different jerseys. Uh, I've mentioned in the previous episodes that I love different jerseys. I think they're always unique. Um, I, I love the different designs that you can do. I do want the courts to change, but I want this tournament to stick around. Adam Silver, you got my thumbs up if that means anything to you. And rounding out today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my top 10 sporting venues. So I'm adding in the, the the sporting event being played and how much I enjoy watching it in terms of the, I wouldn't say newness and futuristic of the stadium, but the features of the stadium along with the beauty of the backdrop and just how beautiful the stadium looks. And the atmosphere I want to be in. So there's a lot of things into it and it's all subjective. None of this is factual. There's nothing that I could come and say and this is my favorite because of this and because of that. Um, but these are just, you know, the top 10 places that I would want to go to the most to watch a, an event in that sport. So starting this all off, we're going to go from 10 to 1. So starting off at number 10, I'm going to go with some baseball stadiums. So what would be Wrigley Field... But I've already been to Wrigley Field, so I don't want to put them in my top 10. However, you know what? I guess I can't put them in top 10 stadiums because these are just places. Not that I would want to be. Just top 10. So Wrigley Field is in here. But the places that I would want to go that I have not been is really what this list kind of is in my creating of it now that I think about it. Um, is going to be the two baseball stadiums. And it's near tie, but I know the one that's going to win. So it's between PNC Park and Pittsburgh. And AT&T State... No, I've got those wrong. It's the Pittsburgh and the San Francisco stadiums. So, yeah, theme, they're both by the water. Where I give Pittsburgh the edge is I just love the yellow bridge in the background. Um, so, guys, give it a look. It's PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Um, home of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I just think it's a beautiful stadium to look out from the catcher's area out into the outfield. So if it wasn't a Chicago Cubs game in Wrigley Field, I would probably want to do PNC. If it were still open, the old Yankee grounds just due to the history. Um, but I'm giving it to PNC and San Francisco in the Bay Area there isn't bad either. Hanging out in a kayak in the water trying to catch a home run. That would also be pretty cool. So there's my number 10. Moving on to number nine, I've got, and again, it's tough to say a tie because then how is it not 10, but it's a bit of a tie in Camp Nou or San Siro. So both of these are the European soccer teams. So Camp Nou is home of Barcelona or Barcelona, as some people might say, not me. It's Barcelona because I'm not from there and I don't know how to say it correctly. Secondly is San Siro in Italy. Now they're in Milan. I don't know if that's pronounced any differently. I've only heard it in Milan. So yeah, San Siro and Camp Nou. Of the two, San Siro to me is just a bit more 
pretty. Um, I like the bowl feature of Camp Nou, but San Siro with the kind of pillars in the corners, I like. Um, home to both Inter, like a San Siro, Inter, AC, Milan game. Whew! That would be very good. Um, yeah, so there you have it. Going on to number eight. Uh, I've got another soccer stadium, and it's Allianz Arena. So it's it's up there as the, the number one arena that I want to go to. Um, I think that the German fans would be an amazing avenue to, to watch it in. Bayern Munich would be an amazing match to watch. And I just, I think the stadium from the outside and the inside is just visually visually beautiful. And I'd love to see the, the futuristic advances that it has. One of the ones that almost made the list, but I realized I don't want to go there. It's just a stadium that I think is cool. And I've talked about them before. I think I have at least, it's the Tottenham Stadium with the the retractable floor that, that goes into the ground for different venues. Uh, I mean, different events. That's really cool. Number seven, I have got St. Andrew's Golf Course in Scotland. Um, I've really gotten into golf over the past five to ten years, and um, St. Andrew's is is a historic golf course. It's up there. It's one that, uh, if I'm, I might be mistaken. I know my family has been there before. I don't know if we've been there for a major event, but St. Andrew's would be a, a really cool course to go to with a couple of friends, a couple of the pals, and just you know have a great time, have some fun. Um, yeah, that's where I've got, uh, St. Andrews slotting in at number seven, moving on to number six. I've now got a formula one event. This one again is a bit of a tie because it's mainly kind of just being on a yacht in, in a, in a Bay area in a major event. Um, and there's two reasons why to me they're tied. Cause I see the case for both. My sister actually enlightened me on the second one, but I'm going to get to it. It's Monaco as well as Abu Dhabi. So Monaco to me is just a beautiful area of the world. So I feel like getting a yacht in that Monaco Harbor would just be the creme de la creme of life in Formula One. However, where my sister said Abu Dhabi is because it's the final season. So you're basically living the same lifestyle with the same rich people. But there's there's more stories. There's more events going on. So that's there. So Monaco I'm picking because I do think Monaco is more picturesque and beautiful and historic. But I would throw Abu Dhabi in because the race means more for points. Um, but the reason they're a tie is because both of them are a yacht in water. One's artificial, one's real, but you're still in a yacht with the rich people. Then we've got number five, and it's kind of one out there, but it's one, a bit of my degenerate nature coming out. But two, I just think it would be a really cool experience to go to, and it's Churchill Downs. So Churchill Downs is the home of the Kentucky Derby. And I think that going to the Kentucky Derby would would be a really cool event to go to. Um, yep, I'm a degenerate and I gamble. So gambling on races is something I would definitely do in that situation. But just being there in the, the fancy suits, the women with their big old hats, um, I think would be a, a cool thing to experience. Um, not to say there's racetracks not all over. Some of them in England would be cool as well. But Churchill Downs... That Kentucky Derby just has history. It's one that I would want to do. Um, continuing in my now top five is the f- number four, and it's Augusta in Georgia. The golf course, the home of the Masters. That golf course is beautiful. Now, I'm going to be picky and say I would only want to go in the summer. I wouldn't want to plan this trip in a, in a, in a sorry, not only in the summer, in the sunny time. I wouldn't want to plan this trip in the rain. But yes, Augusta. That tournament means a lot. The green jacket, the course is beautiful. The area is beautiful. I think you can make a really amazing trip with a couple of friends. 
Um, golfing is one where you could have an amazing weekend because it's a four-day event. That's why it's pretty high up there as well. Um, but yeah, that Augusta course down in Georgia, home of the Masters, number four. Now we've got the top three. So the top three are are some that I'm going to be honest. One that I just I, I I'd really want to go to. It's sports that I love and just I think atmospheres that would be absolutely amazing. Number one is really going to surprise you guys. And to be honest with you, it surprises me sometimes too, but it's always been my number one. It's always been to me the most beautiful stadium, the coolest stadium, cool vibes. I just, I would love to go there. But either way, here we are, top three. Number three, Tiger Stadium, which is home to the LSU Tigers. Now, it's funny that I'm putting a college team in this top 10 discussion. But Tiger Stadium is home to 102,000 seats. It can fit 102,000 people, and you dang well know 105,000 people are actually getting in that stadium. So that's why I'm putting it in there, because that atmosphere, being with 105,000 people, majority of whom are alumni or rooting against the other team, or rooting for the other team as alumni, and College football alums are passionate about their sports. They're allowed. They're in your face. They love it. So 100,000 people in that gigantic stadium. And yep, it's the seventh biggest of the college stadium. So why aren't you picking number one for this reason, John? Because for those that don't know, the LSU Tigers are my favorite college football team. So I'd want to go watch my favorite college football team in my favorite college football stadium. The Tiger Stadium down there. I also do think the Coliseum that was home to the Rose Bowl is a cool stadium for tradition. But, you know, it's really just tradition. It can really crack it. Now, moving on to number two. It's a familiar sport that I've already mentioned. It's a Formula One track. And to me, it's Silverstone in England. I would absolutely love to go to Silverstone. Um, being Jamaican and we have our roots and our ties with England, even though we're independent. Um I just, I don't know. I love Silverstone. I'd I really want to go. It's one that my dad posed the question. I didn't really have an answer to it. And I know it was his answer. I'm not just piggy piggybacking and, and, and bandwagging off his answer. But Silverstone is the number two arena. It's the number two event, that Formula One weekend that I would want to go to. And finally, my number one stadium, my number one sporting venue that not a lot of people know. La Bombanera, the stadium in Argentina that's home to the Boca Juniors. La Bombanera, to me, I don't know what it is. Actually, I think I know what it is. It's that flat wall. So give it a Google. Again, it's La Bombanera, B-O-B, sorry, B-O-M-B-O-N. So B-O-M is in mom, B-O-N is in night, E-R-A. La Bombanera, it's... Absolutely beautiful. I love just the, the kind of flat wall, which I just kind of picture as suites and VIPs, and then just a huge bowl around it. I mean, it's only home to about like 50,000 people, so it's not absolutely gigantic. But I just imagine the Argentinian vibes there being absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, this does stem from FIFA probably, but ever since like 2007, 2008, La Bombonera has always been the stadium that I would want to go to. And it's not to say that I would want to watch the team that plays there. It's just, it's the venue that I would love 
to go to because I think the stadium is beautiful and I think the vibes would be absolutely amazing. So there you have it, folks. That's my top 10 stadiums. Let me know in the comment section, guys. Let me know which stadiums you guys want to go to, um, which ones I've missed. I, I'm always down to, to open my eyes to new stadiums and some beautiful stadiums. Uh, I know Sri Lanka has that absolutely gorgeous cricket stadium that I would love to go to as well. I'm sure Australia has some pitches and some venues that I would want to go to. So again, guys, let me know in that comment section, at Roped in the Podcast. But there you have it. That's my top 10 with La Bombanera taking the top spot. And that marks the end of another episode. Uh, it is December the 10th. You guys know this because it's the day it's posted. Uh, it's also the day I'm recording this. So I've had a lot of fun making this. If this is your first time listening, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for sticking around this long. I hope I've said the right things to get you to listen next time. And if you're a repeat listener, as always, thank you very much for coming back. I'm glad I said the right things or you love me enough to just listen anyway, even if it's just on mute and you've made it this far and you're not listening to me now, you're still giving me a listen. So thank you very much. As always, Hakuna Matata. <laughs>